Hey everyone, welcome to Grace Community Church of Willow Street's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how to be more engaged with our church, check us out online at gccws.net, or you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message, and we are praying that it leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would remind us of your goodness over and over again. Lord, I understand that um, many people sitting here or watching online are carrying with them evidence of your, uh, evidence of maybe concerns that you are not good. That, Lord, they're carrying with them a cancer diagnosis or they're carrying with them a a mental health challenge or they're carrying with them um, tumult in their family and challenges like that. But, Lord, we rest on the assurance that you are good. That, Lord, even when it it is hard for us to see reasoning, even when it is hard for us to see um see the path through lord you are good and you are with us and and lord we are not we are not left alone we are not left wanting lord we we serve a god who sees us and cares for us lord that you see us and you provide for us with each new day and so lord i pray um just a balm of comfort over anyone who came into this service this morning um carrying something challenging carrying something difficult that you would be with them and near them that they would experience the god of all comfort that they would experience your your abiding presence over their lives and lord as we get together for this thing called church lord we celebrate this this miracle that we get to come together that we get to that we get to um reach across racial and demographic lines and that we get to just be a church a place where you live by your spirit and Lord, that as we get together, this is, no, this is no small feat, that we worship at the feet of a holy God, and that we, we sit here and we experience your word, and your Holy Spirit helps us to understand it, and we leave changed people, Lord, both in our families and in our world, and we thank you for that. And Lord, as we, as we turn our attention to the world, there is, there is conflict in many places. And Lord, we pray over specifically the situation in Ukraine that you would bring an end to the suffering there. But Lord, that you would also bring an end to every place where, where there are those who would count the image of God cheap in their fellow man and their fellow woman. And Lord, we pray that you would bring an end to, to violence that, that, just, that just rages against your purposes for this world and for, your li- for our lives. And Lord, as, as Pastor Paul preaches this morning, I pray that you would be with him. I pray that you would, um, I pray that you would anoint his words and anoint his, uh, anoint his mind. That Lord, he would translate your word to us, and that we would grow in understanding and grow in obedience to you. And we ask this in your name, Amen. If you want to turn with me to Mark eleven, Mark eleven verse twelve, I'll be reading from the NIV. That'll be on the screen behind me. Verse 12 says, The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And he taught that, 
As, and as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it into a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out from the city. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Thanks, Pastor Addison. When uh, your third daughter is born, Addison, could you lead a support group for daddies with three daughters? You'll, thanks, appreciate that. He said yes, if you're wondering. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do with daddies with four daughters. Mike is just on his own. But three daughters, you know, we have a support group now. This weekend, we continue our series called Unfiltered Jesus. And today, I think we're going to see Jesus totally unfiltered. Mark chapter 11. You heard... Pastor Addison read about these two events, one involving a fig tree, the other one involving the scene at the temple. Two simultaneous events in Mark's gospel, not in Matthew's, but in Mark's gospel, yet they have one major implication, and it is this. Faith in God matters. Say that with me. Faith in God matters. I want to ask you a question before we kind of jump into this passage. Do you want to know who I really am? I was born in Lancaster. Amen, right? Okay. I am named after my great-grandfather who lived in Rollinsville. He was Jacob Paul Weitzel, and so my name is Jacob Paul Weitzel. I am the son of Rondi and Denise. I have three brothers. One is my twin brother. I'm married to Jennifer from New Jersey. Hold your applause. We have three daughters. I've lived in two cities, Chicago and Philadelphia. I've been a pastor for over 10 years. I currently live in Willow Street. I have a mortgage. I don't drive. I'm about six feet tall, and my hair started thinning in my 20s. Did I just tell you who I was? Let me try that again then. I like Wawa. You can keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. I like straight lines when I vacuum. <laughs> I don't enjoy going shopping for clothes, and I can't stand self-checkout. It annoys me. I like ice cream, sausage, gravy, biscuits, burgers, and brisket. And all the men at the retreat said, amen. <laughs> I have personally, though, set my grill on fire over two dozen times, and my wife thinks my cooking is getting better. Did I just tell you who I was? We live in a culture that can hide. We tell people about ourselves, we tell them our titles, and yet it's not really who we are. It's interesting to me that in the, in the Bible, when the temple was first being thought of and constructed, Actually, in Chronicles, it says the temple plans came from the Spirit of God. 
When it was first being constructed by King David, he handed the plans to his son Solomon and gave him the charge to build the temple. And this is what David tells Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28. He says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your fathers and serve him with a wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. And hear this. For the Lord searches every heart. And the Lord understands every desire and every thought. God is not fooled. You cannot hide from him. You can give people your titles. You can tell them what you've done. God knows your heart. When Samuel was designated to choose the first king of Israel, God said this to him. Do not consider his appearance or his height. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, looks at the heart. I love how Psalm 44 just simply says it the way it is. Would not God have discovered it anyway? He knows the secrets of the heart. Listen, in Mark chapter 11, I think that we see the real Jesus. And in Mark chapter 11, the real Jesus, the unfiltered Jesus, goes for the heart. He doesn't play around with what the outward appearance looks like. No, he wants to address the heart. There's no holding back. Prior in Jesus' ministry, you would often see in the Bible, he would do things, he would say things, and what he would tell people, look, 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 don't go tell anybody what you just saw. Don't tell anybody what you just heard. Now, we don't get that kind of language. This is unfiltered. He transitions from being private to now public. He begins with the fig tree, then he transitions to turning tables over at the temple. And when Jesus admonishes the fig tree and the temple, this was not accidental. Listen, friends, the temple had become this sacred cow. It had become this thing that everyone turned to for their safety and their security. And why? It was this system that needed to be destroyed and disrupted and broken down. You'd have to come into the temple. You would give money for doves or whatever you were going to sacrifice. Then you would go and sacrifice it. And the money would go into the pockets of a small few. And your sacrifice didn't cover all your sin, so you'd have to just repeat the cycle all over again. All the while, making a small group of people a small fortune off the backs of what? People who just wanted to worship God. This system needed to go away. This sacred cow needed to be broken. And yet in Jesus' day, many people saw the the temple system as this, as this immovable mountain, this sacred system, this sacred cow. And yet Jesus shows up and says, listen, it's not so sacred. It's not so secure. And it's not the way that you're gonna find salvation and cover for your sin. No, the only way that your sins will be dealt with and you can have eternal life is when you place your faith in God. And so Jesus sets out to destroy the temple. If you think about it, what was once a space for worshipers to assemble had what? It become this space for robbers to congregate, for, 
for a fellowship of fraudsters, for a den of, when I do this, you just say whatever comes to your mind, okay? If you're wrong, we'll be gracious, don't worry. It's for a den of thieves. And so Jesus is there, he enters the temple in Mark chapter 11 for a second time, we won't talk about the first time, and when he goes in, he decides he's gonna clean house. So look at verses 15 and 16, this is what he said. He began driving out those who were buying and selling. He overturned the money changers' tables and the benches of those selling doves, which I think is so interesting because it's going back to his birth. Verse 16, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. You know, historically, it wasn't just Jesus who noticed how corrupt this system was, by the way. In my office, I have the works of Josephus. And if you really want a good reading this afternoon, you can grab the works of Josephus. Please, it's just so enlightening. I'm kidding, it's not. But anyway, the Roman historian Josephus, he was not a Jew, he was not a Christian, he was a Roman historian in the first century. He lived during the time of Jesus. He saw this system as corrupt and crooked too. Matter of fact, in his writings, he calls the high priest Ananias, who, was during, who lived during the day of Jesus, a great procurer of money. That's how he's described throughout history. And yet I don't think it was the fact that this place had become a den of thieves was really why Jesus went and overturned the tables. I think if you see that, that Jesus is upset because of the money here at the church or at the, synagogue, or at the, the temple, I think you're missing why Jesus really got upset. Yes, does he like the fact, no, does he, does he like the fact that people have turned his father's house into this den of thieves? No, that drives Jesus crazy. But the real issue is the segregation that was happening. Now, you might not know this, but if you were coming into the city of Jerusalem to worship God, and you were, from, and you were not Jewish, you had to worship in a certain area. And could you imagine that? Coming into the city of God, into God's temple, to worship the one and only true God, and what happens? You're told because of the color of your skin and because of your birthplace that you can only worship God in this area. Listen, Jesus, his entire ministry was about bringing the outcast, the disfigured, the sinner, what? Closer to God. He didn't segregate. He said, listen, if you want to follow me, come follow me. doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Samaritan, or a Gentile. You come follow me. And yet when you go to God's house, what do you discover? God's people say, whoa, 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 whoa. If you're born in a certain area, you can't worship God here. They had a, a court for Gentiles. They had a court for women. Jesus enters the temple, cleans house, and when he finally calms down, do you know what he says in verse 17? Look what he says. Is it not written, he's quoting from Isaiah the prophet because Isaiah would believe this too, my house will be called a house of prayer for what? For all nations. All nations. Everyone is allowed in this house to worship God. This beacon of hope will be for all people. Not for some people, not for those who are just born Jewish, for all people. That's why Jesus is upset. Because this symbol of God had been turned into this system 
for man. And then Jesus turns his attention to the fig tree. And this might confuse you a little bit. The fig tree here in Mark's gospel symbolizes the temple. I had to do some research this week about fig trees because I know absolutely nothing about plants, trees, or shrubbery. But practically speaking, I learned a few things. A fig tree is a great shade tree. It proliferates. It has these giant leaves that are about a little bigger than the size of my hand. And what I think is really ironic here in Mark chapter 11 is that Jesus is standing on the Mount of Olive Trees, and yet he finds a fig tree. Just think that's really strange. And yet when he finds the fig tree, what does Mark tell us that he notices first? The tree? No. In verse 13, it tells us that he notices the fig leaf. Now, leaves, if you don't know this, in the Bible and in Hebrew culture, symbolize making excuses. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sin against God and they eat the forbidden fruit, this is what it tells us they did after their eyes were opened. Look, Genesis 3, verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and what? They realized they were naked, or if you're from some parts of the county, naked, So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. If you cover yourself with fig leaves, you surround yourself with excuses. However, it does not cover well, does it? Because the fig leaf is only as big as about the palm of my hand, so you have to sew a bunch of them together. In other words, you have to make a lot of excuses to cover up one sin. When Jesus looked at the temple, it was covered in excuses for the sin of so many. And yet it wasn't just the leaf that Jesus noticed, was it? It was that the tree was fruitless. It didn't bear any fruit. Again, I know nothing about trees, so I had to do some research F.F. Bruce, in his commentary, Hard Sayings of Jesus, actually points this out, that fig trees bore fruit. I don't even know if that's the correct terminology. Horticultural people will have to let me know later after the sermon. But they produce fruit. That sounds a little better. Twice a year. In the springtime and in the fall. When a fig tree bears fruit in the springtime, I've read this, the fruit is usually in the shape of an almond. It's not very big. And it's not sweet. And yet in the fall, when it produces the fig, it's giant, it's big, and it's luscious, very juicy. And so guess what time of the year Jesus is walking on the Mount of Olives and sees the fig tree? He's walking in the springtime. And so when Jesus shows up walking and he sees the fig leaf on the fig tree, he's expecting to find what? At least a small fig In that culture, in that day, they would call it the poor man's fig. This poor savior, humble and hungry, would look for a small almond-sized fig to eat. And yet when he shows up, the tree is fruitless. And so Jesus, in Mark Mark chapter 11, notices that the tree is fruitless. And so he curses the tree and says, you will bear fruit no more. He does this 
because he expected the tree to have fruit. Now, Mark points out in verse 13 that it wasn't the season for figs. No, the real season for figs would have been in the fall, but at least here, he should have expected to find a poor man's fig, but he finds nothing. Now, we have to be careful here because sometimes you might think, well, Jesus curses people or trees because they're fruitless. No, 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 no. Jesus curses the fig tree because the fig tree represented excuses. The fig tree was fruitless, but Jesus curses it because the fig tree symbolized what was happening at the temple. It was a symbol of a temple that was fruitless for the kingdom of God and full of man's excuses. And so he does. He curses the fig tree. And if you think about the church today, this is where I want to go with our time. How do you know that your church has not turned into a modern-day fig tree? How do you know that your church has not become a modern-day temple? You know, some of you are new to Grace Community Church, and so you want to know, what kind of church is this? Some of you are going to be leaving Grace Community Church, and you're going to go to other churches. Why? Because of retirement, or you're vacationing, or whatever is happening in your life. You're in college, and you're going to get a job somewhere. I get that. And so the church that you show up to, let me tell you, you don't want that church to be a modern-day fig tree or temple. And so how do you know? Three questions that I think you should ask of any church, and this is straight out of Mark chapter 11. Here's number one. Who has the power? When you show up at church, ask yourself that question. Who has the power? In the temple system, you know who had the power? A small group of elite religious men. They had all the power. They're the ones who held all the sacred writings. They didn't let anybody else in on it. It was just them. And yet when you come to the New Testament, what do you discover about Jesus Christ? What do you discover about his church? Who has the power? Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. He says, do you not know that your body, listen to this, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God. You are not your own, Paul writes. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Listen, in the New Testament, Jesus Christ says, when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into your life and the Holy Spirit fills you, and the Holy Spirit brings the word of God to remind you of what sin is, and paths you should walk and you shouldn't walk. The Holy Spirit teaches you, but the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you the power to say no to sin and yes to Jesus Christ. So who has the power? In the temple system, it's a small group of men that say you have to sacrifice, you have to pay for the sacrifices, we'll take the money, but you gotta keep doing this system all over and all over again. Jesus Christ says, no, 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 no. When you come into my kingdom, when you transition from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life, I will give you the Holy Spirit. You will have the power. You can, you can tell sin no, and you can say yes to Jesus Christ. But the, the, the temple system is so broken. It's so broken because as Jesus would look at these poor people giving up what little money they had, they thought in their mind, yes, this system is broken, but we have no idea how to fix it. 
And so Jesus would turn to his disciples and look what he says in verse 23 of Mark chapter 11. He says, truly I tell you, I'm speaking now. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now what in the world is Jesus talking about? He's saying that, listen, you have the power. You can say to a mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. Who's the mountain in Mark chapter 11? The temple system. This is the immovable mountain, and Jesus says, no, you can tell it to go away. You don't need that system anymore. Listen, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, and you want to receive the Holy Spirit power, and you yourself want to become a temple of the Holy Spirit, you don't need a system to do that. You receive it by faith. By faith. And why? Well, in Hebrew culture, mountains often represented difficulties in your life. And so when Jesus is talking about throwing these mountains away, he's talking a whole lot more than earth and clay, brick and mortar. What is he getting at? He's talking about the things in your life that hold you back from following after God. It's a lot more than just earth and buildings that hold us from following God. What stops you from following Jesus Christ? Is it your sin? Is it your sin that you've been hiding that nobody knows about but you keep it locked away? Is it the fear that you cling to or the shame and the guilt that you carry? Listen, those mountains are hard to remove. Buildings come down, but sin and fear and shame and guilt, they can stay with you for a lifetime unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. The second question I think you should ask yourself is this. What does it cost? In Lancaster County, we like to ask, is it free? It's a good Lancaster County question to ask. It's a good question to ask of the temple system. Is it free? What's it gonna cost me? When you entered into the temple system, you had to go into the Gentile court to the merchandise table, you had to buy your doves or whatever it is you wanted to sacrifice. Then you'd go into the temple, you'd sacrifice, and you had to keep going back and doing this. It wasn't free to worship God. It cost you something. And yet in Jesus' kingdom, it's free. You know, there's three people, three types of people that, are, that, are, that have responses to Jesus' fig tree and temple thing. The, the first is the apostle Peter. He's completely astonished. He is. After Jesus um, comes out of the city, after he had turned the, up the tables, it says they go to sleep, they go in Bethany, they're coming back into the city the next day. They're walking back the same path and, and what does Peter point out? He looks at Jesus and he says, Rabbi, the tree is withered. You know, like he's astonished. And the reason why he's astonished is because the day prior, this healthy looking fig tree within 24 hours has now withered to nothing. 
And yet Jesus doesn't respond to Peter and say, well, yeah, Peter, I didn't know if you really knew this, but I really am the son of God, and I really have the power to kill trees, okay? I can kill trees, all right? I mean, just really, you go to my house, go to my plants, I mean, thank God for my wife. No, Jesus doesn't respond like that. Look how Jesus responds to Peter's astonishment in verse 22. He turns to Peter and he says, Peter, have faith in God. Have faith in God. You don't want to have faith in some kind of temple system, some kind of fig tree that's fruitless, full of excuses. No, put your faith in God. In the 1500s, one of the wealthiest institutions was the Roman Catholic Church. Its buildings were big and beautiful. And its reputation was large. It's renowned. And yet Martin Luther, in an open letter to Pope Leo X on September the 6th, 1520, wrote to the Pope and he said this about the Catholic Church. Once the holiest of all, the Roman Church has become the most licentious den of thieves, the most shameless of all brothels, the kingdom of sin, death, and hell. Now listen to this. It is so bad that even Antichrist himself, if he should come, could think of nothing to add to its wickedness. Luther literally writes that if the devil showed up, he couldn't do any better than what you guys are doing. It's amazing. You have this great and glorious looking church on the outside and what does Martin Luther say is happening on the inside? It's rotting away. You have this fig tree that looks so big and so beautiful, yet it's full of excuses and fruitless. You have a temple that calls the nations to itself and yet its system is robbing people of the joy of worshiping God freely. A small group of people making a large profit off the backs of hardworking wannabe worshipers of God. That system needs to go away. Jesus would have none of that. And so he turns to Peter when Peter notices that the fig tree is withered and he says to Peter, have faith in God. Who is your faith in? Is it in a system? Do you think you have to follow a bunch of do's and do this and do that and God will be happy with you? Is that what your faith is in? Or is your faith in God? Do you live in God? Do you live in Jesus when others live for themselves? Do you worship and love and give and forgive and believe and lead your life in Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus when you can't see the truth do you hope in Jesus when nations roar? Listen, this entire passage in Mark chapter 11 calls us to say faith in God matters. So have faith in God, not in some system. Because if you place your faith in a system, let me tell you something, it's not gonna stop wickedness. 
Ask yourself this question, how wicked do you want things to get? How wicked do you want yourself to get? How wicked do you want your neighbors to get? If you want things to get worse, maintain a system. Jesus says the system is broken. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that if the world becomes wealthier, the world will become kinder. Do you think that you would be more merciful towards others if someone just paid off all of your debt? Do you think if your neighbor became a Republican, it would fix the world? Do you think if your neighbor became a Democrat, it would fix the world? Do you think this church is not susceptible to becoming fake and fruitless and man-pleasing. Systems will kill us. Coming to salvation in Jesus Christ should be free. People should freely be able to come to Jesus Christ, not prohibited by anything other than the fact that they get to worship a God in spirit and in truth. I remember sitting in a meeting with Pastor Will Martin when we first began thinking about constructing this building and adding on from the original sanctuary to this and other parts, redeveloping the property. I remember sitting in that meeting and Will put his hand down on the table as our founding pastor, and this is what he said. He said, if you ever lose sight of the gospel, I will take this place down with my own hands, brick by brick. Friends, it should always be free. We should always be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one should be charged to hear about Jesus Christ. The Grace Community Church, it's one of the reasons we do not pass an offering plate. We do not charge for weddings. They're free. We do not charge you for funerals. If you want to become a member of this church, it's free. If you want to be counseled by a pastor at this church or one of our counselors, it's free. And you say, well, how in the world is the church ever going to survive? The church survives by faith, not by people's money. If you want to give, the Holy Spirit will lead you to give but it's free. Jesus Christ did not intend for his church to walk away from the gospel only to grab a few coins. So ask yourself those questions. Who has the power? Is it free? But finally, this one. Who has access? In Mark chapter 11, you notice that there's three groups of people that have a response to what Jesus does. The first was Peter, right? He's astonished. He sees the fig tree. The second group are the, are the crowds. The crowds are amazed by Jesus' teaching. The third group, I think, is very interesting, are the chief priests and the teachers of the law, the religious elite. And what are they? They're not astonished by anything. They're not amazed by anything. They're angry. Angry so much that Mark actually tells us in verse 18 that they wanted to now kill Jesus. I mean, who's the crazy one? The guy flipping over tables or the people that are plotting to kill the guy flipping over tables? But why are they angry? They're not angry because Jesus was flipping over tables. 
Mark tells us in verse 18 why they were angry. They were angry because of the teachings of Jesus. They were upset because Jesus was telling people, listen, you can bypass the religious system. You don't need it anymore. You can go straight into the the throne room of of God. You have total access. And how do we know that Jesus was teaching this? Look at verses 24 and 25. He turns to the disciples after he leaves the city, after he symbolized all this, and what does he say to them? He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Listen, you don't need a, a temple system anymore. You know, you, have a, you know how you have a relationship with God? You have a relationship with God based on faith and forgiveness. You don't need to go and pay for some sacrifice. You stand, and if you're standing talking to your Heavenly Father, and he tells you you need to go forgive somebody, then you leave, and you go and you forgive somebody. You don't need a priest. You don't need some system. You have total access. That's what Jesus meant here. He meant that you and I can go into God's presence, what? By faith. We pray by faith. We forgive by faith. We live in God by faith. We have access to the Father by faith, not through some system. Paul would say this in Ephesians chapter two. He'd say, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So ask yourself this question. Who has the power? Is it free? And who has access? You see, the temple system limited people's access. Jesus gives us access. You know, last night I concluded the sermon by asking asking people, do you feel like you have the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you feel like Jesus paid the price for your sins and Therefore, salvation is free. And do you feel like you have access? And then this morning I was convicted by that. Because look, your feelings can come and go. The real question this morning is, do you know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Do you know that Jesus Christ paid for your sins on the cross and it cost him everything and it is free for you? Salvation is free for you. Do you know this morning that you have access into the throne room of the kingdom of God? It's not about how you feel this morning. It's do you know? And if you do not know this morning what Jesus Christ has done for you, then I would say this to you, have faith in God. Put your faith in Jesus. Trust Jesus today. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, either in this room or online this morning, and you're sensing that the Holy Spirit is saying, man, I haven't put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in my money. I put my faith in some religious system, but I haven't put my faith in Jesus Christ. And this morning, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter if you're 18 years old and you've been playing church for the last 18 years. Doesn't matter if you're 35 years old and you just walked in here this morning. Does not matter if you're 70 years old and you've been attending church your entire life. If you've put your faith in some kind of system or the money that you give to an organization or a nonprofit, let me tell you something, that's not gonna save you. 
You will stand in front of a holy God one day and he will look at you and say he did not know you, but today you can know Jesus Christ. Have faith in Jesus. It's simply like this. You turn to Jesus Christ and you say to Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner and I repent of my sins and I turn to you. You're not turning to a church. You're not turning to some man. You're turning to Jesus Christ. If you want to attend Grace Community Church, we will disciple you. We will help you follow Jesus. But listen, today, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you want his free gift of salvation? If you do, today is the day. I'd like us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. I'd like you to consider what I've just asked you. I'd like you to consider, do you know that you have the power to overcome sin because the Holy Spirit resides in you? Do you know that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins? And do you know that you have access to the Father who is in heaven? If you can't answer yes to that, then today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you raise your hand to heaven or you humble your heart and you say to Jesus, I want that. And friends, he will give it to you. And so with eyes closed and heads bowed, is there any here this morning that have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? I just invite you to lift up your hand I invite you to lift up your hand and you say to Jesus, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, you pray this after me, Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. And I am in need of your saving grace. And so this morning, I receive by the power of your Holy Spirit the gift of salvation. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your salvation. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I encourage you to come find me. Come find one of our pastors. We'd love to know your name. If you're at the men's retreat and you prayed that prayer this morning, I encourage you to go find one of the pastors that are there or Todd. And I encourage you this morning to please, please, don't live in a world that tells you you don't have access to God unless you do something, that it's gonna cost you, and that you don't have power over sin, you do. Because Jesus Christ died for us to give us life. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message and choosing to spend some time with us today. To get more information about Grace Community Church, our service times, and our location, check out our website at gccws.net.